Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst for Bar Chart. Uh, the grains and crude oil all in negative territory here early this morning while we're seeing the livestock futures a little two-sided early, but kind of firming up here now in both cattle and hogs. So Darren, let's talk about soybeans first of all. We had a pretty nice run off of the recent lows around that $12 level. We've set back now yesterday and today. So what is pressuring the market, do you think? Most likely, this is still a weather market, a weather derivative market. And, you know, if, if so, then what we're doing is we're, we're looking at what's going on down in Brazil, Argentina, and uh, basically South America as a whole at this point. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing traders, we're seeing both non-commercial and commercial traders looking at the latest weather forecasts uh, and, and their reaction, at least their opinion at this point, seems to be bearish again. So they're putting pressure on the market, uh, which is interesting because longer term, you know, May-July soybean future spread is still bullish. It's still covering a bullish level of calculated full commercial carry, but it hasn't been enough to stop the selling at least the last couple of days uh, as we take some of those gains that we've tacked on here the last week or so, just, just whittle them away and erase them away from the market. Do you think it's also tied to basis levels starting to collapse in Brazil? It certainly could. And again, this would come back to production. Uh, you know, we have no idea what production is going to be. It could be anywhere between 130 and 170. It simply doesn't matter. Uh, but what does matter is that those beans are now starting to make their way to port. Uh, and as they do, they're starting to put pressure on the market because oddly enough, there's enough supply coming in to meet the almost unquenchable demand coming out of China and unknown destinations, which usually turns out to be China. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's pushing the basis down. And, you know, as a good friend of mine used to always present on uh, grains, golden rule, first basis, then spreads and then futures. And if we've already got basis collapsing in, uh, in, in South America and in Brazil, you know, we can look for future spreads and we could possibly see futures continue to come down as well. Do you think it also signals maybe that crop isn't as small as some are projecting? Again, I don't think it matters, but yeah, I mean, all of this talk of, oh, it's going to be 125, it's going to be 130. Really, it doesn't matter. That's just people making guesses. I mean, I guess if it, I guess if folks like to follow USDA making guesses and everybody else making guesses, they might as well make, you know, play the game of pin the tail on the donkey. The reality is what the market shows us every day. And if the basis market in Brazil is starting to crack and come down, that's all we really need to know because there will be a ripple effect up into the US market. And again, it doesn't matter what the made up numbers of, of Brazilian production is. What's the market telling us? And right now, again, even with that May-July future spread bullish, basis starting to crack, that's going to have a ripple effect across the rest of the market. What you say is kind of throwing some conflicting signals at the market, actually. Uh, it is right now, because here in the U.S., you know, our national average basis continues to run neutral. Uh, so, again, it reflects both the idea that, you know, we didn't have as much production here in the United States as we have in years past. And we knew that because we didn't have as many acres. We knew that at the end of last February. Uh, so production was down here in the United States. So it's been enough. The supplies have tightened up enough that it's kept basis from just collapsing. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't given the situation that we're seeing in, uh, in Brazil right now. But on the other hand, again, future spreads, both the March, May and May, July, are covering a bullish level of calculated full commercial carry, which brings me to a bigger question that I've talked about in both corn and wheat so far. Are those spreads being skewed by non-commercial short covering? Because funds have built a sizable net short futures position in corn, soybeans and wheat. And so if they're starting to cover and move over into other investment opportunities, that's going to be skewing our spreads for a while. 
Yeah, that's a good point that you make. Um, corn market, though, we're below 450 once again. Do you think the commercials will step back in here, the end users, because that's been their trend recently, hasn't it? It has been. You know, Thursday, we certainly saw that uh, there was some pressure in the market. And by the end of the day, we saw March gaining something like three quarter cent on May, which gained a quarter cent on July. So fairly you know, a decent indicator that there was some commercial interest. You know, maybe it was only short term, whatever the case might be. Do we have good exports going on now? Yes, we do. But exports is the smallest uh, is the weakest leg of the of the three legs uh, of U.S. demand. You know, what we really have to be concerned about is feed demand and ethanol demand at this point. We know some of those have slowed down, uh, but, you know, basis remains weak. Uh, so overall, yes, we have seen some commercial buying. It just hasn't really been enough to light much of a fire underneath the market. Yeah. And you talk about the South American crop, you know, corn, obviously Argentina's crop is just as important here. It's going to come before we get the second crop, Safrina. We've had some forecast now for some better rains in the extended in Argentina. Mm -hmm. So is that maybe another factor that could be pressuring the market? I certainly could. I mean, if we if we look at the global supply and demand situation, again, the, the wheat, excuse me, the corn spreads just simply aren't that bullish right now. Now, they're still sitting in neutral territory. And so that would tell us that the, the market remains comfortable uh, with wherever the corn might be coming from, be it the U.S., be it Argentina, even, you know, if we if it's if it extends out enough. Uh, to capture or get into the uh, Brazil safrina crop. So, you know, again, yes, I, I do think it is playing a role in what we're seeing in the market and the fact that there's just not that much interest in corn right now, uh, again, due to weather and due to what we're reading in the spreads. Absolutely. So the wheat market had an update yesterday. Um, didn't seem like there was a lot of fundamental reason for that market to be higher. So, you know, was that short covering? And then conversely today, um, you know, did the funds maybe use that strength or some of the funds using that strength to sell? Weed is a fascinating beast. Uh, and, and, you know, we have to take all three markets, you know, in, into consideration here. Uh, the thing that stood out to me with Thursday's trade was the fact that the March, May, Kansas City spread moved to an inverse. And, you know, one of the things I always say is that in an, when we're talking about a storable commodity, inverses are always bullish, but not in this case, uh, because I, I just don't think fundamentally we, we see the type of situation that, you know, supports the March May going into an inverse. And so I do think a lot of it was non-commercial short covering. Now, the problem is we've seen a great deal of that go on in Chicago already. They've moved from a net short of 90 some thousand contracts to about 30,000 contracts over the last couple of months. So if they start adding to their position again in Chicago wheat, that's going to put pressure on both Kansas City and Minneapolis again with some new fund selling. And that certainly could be what we're seeing overnight into uh, Friday morning. And we'll see how the rest of the session plays out. Yeah, I also heard some rumors of maybe some China business, even on the HRW side. So I didn't know if that's why you saw that that bull spreading or not. But good point you make. One question I have about exports or demand um, in particular, as far as all of the grains, you know, demand, we'd like to see it better. But how much of it is just demand is down versus um, shipping issues that we're seeing? You know, we've had such a string of them. I think, you know, certainly the shipping issues are something to talk about, but I think there's bigger issues. There's certainly trade wars and tariffs and all these things that we're still dealing with that have basically put a whole, put a bullet in, in the foot of, uh, you know, U.S. export business. Um, what interests me about, the, you know, the comment about possible Chinese demand for U.S. hard red winter is the fact that, you know, if we look at the latest uh, weekly export sales and shipments update, 
know, comparing 2023, 24 to last year, you know, we're only our total sales of hard red winter right now are down 34% from last year. So there hasn't been a great deal of interest. And so if there is now, the the best we could do is possibly try to gain ground on what was a dismal year last year. It's funny you talk about China and the U.S. being in a trade war. Some people are saying, hey, we're going to go back in a trade war. You're basically suggesting we're already in one, right? We're still in it. We never got out of it. I mean, we, we, we put ourselves in this position. Uh, and you know, yeah, could we get back in there again? All signs are certainly indicating that it could get worse again before it ever gets better. Um, but yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten out of the situation we, we've, we got ourselves into before. And so the rest of the world has, you know, has gained ground and has actually prospered from uh, the fact that we decided to do this and hasn't played out all that well right now, as we've talked about many times, you know, the U S has become a secondary player in the, uh, in the global soybean game. And, you know, it hasn't really helped our wheat or corn situations either. No doubt. Cattle market, uh, we made some new highs for the move yesterday, and uh, we had a little two-sided trade early, but it looks like we're following up with some gains here this morning. Cash has been helpful, but, you know, are the funds, do you think, back in here buying again? Because they have really whacked their long position. They have, you know, and they certainly could be. And if we look at the stock markets and we think about the tie between uh, U.S. stock markets and the cattle markets, then, you know, it's, it's a, there, there is a good chance that we are seeing some more fund buying, you know, leaking over into cattle. But I think, I think what you mentioned, you know, with the cash market finally starting to strengthen a bit, you know, we were stuck in that 172 to 173 for weeks uh, as, you know, as the winter storms moved through. And now, you know, we've tightened things up a bit and we've got cash moving up. You know, I saw 174, you were telling me about 175 and beyond. Uh, yet this week. So I, I do think that a lot of the support is coming from cash. It'll be interesting to see how Feb acts in relation to April, uh, the futures contracts here on the live cattle market uh, here as we as we close out the week and, and see if we can see some of that commercial buying heading into the weekend. Yeah, we even had some 177 as high as that um, in the north, but I'm sure I don't know of all of the business that was done. Finally, let's wrap up with uh, crude oil. We had nine-week highs yesterday, but not a lot of follow-through here this morning. That's been pretty typical of that market, hasn't it? It really has. I mean, and, and this is strange. This is a time of year where, you know, crude oil, heating oil, and, and, and the energy sector as a whole uh, just continues to find some con- consistent buying interest, but it's just not the case this year. Uh, but, as, you know, as you said, we, we, ha- we are going to new highs. We're slowly grinding there. So it's, you know, it's two step forwards, one step back. Uh, seems to be kind of the the dance routine uh, for most of the energy co- uh, markets right now. And again, seasonally, this is just the time of the year when we do move higher. So, you know, finding more buying interest would not be a surprise. All right, I was I lied to you. I want I have one more question for you. S and P Dow mm-hmm. getting new highs yesterday or new high closes. Anyways, do we keep going here? We do. I mean, the, the markets are bullish right now. They've been in long-term uptrends since October 2022. So it really shouldn't come as a surprise except for those who are wanting the markets to collapse. Um, but I mean, overall, they, they've been in long-term uptrends. And, you know, as, as uh, Newton's first law of motion applied to markets tells us, you know, the trending market will stay in that trend till acted upon by investment money. And right now, the investment money just continues to buy U.S. stocks. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart. That is Markets Now.